welcome to the Deeply Rooted Podcast, where together we root deep in God's Word so that we can live lives of unshakable faith. I'm Ben Jacobson. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Lutheran Church in Fargo, North Dakota, and I am joined today by my colleague, Pastor Mike Toomey. Welcome, Mike. It is really good to be here. We're glad to have you on board. This summer we are working our way through some of our favorite psalms, and we're, we're seeing that there are psalms of praise, psalms of lament, psalms of uh, royal psalms, many, many, many different types of psalms, and, and probably one of the most famous psalms is Psalm 23, but we're not going to talk about Psalm 23 today. We will get there, uh, but today we're going to go to the psalm before Psalm 23, which is, of course, Psalm 22. And I think when we read it, there's going to be some very familiar words to most people who understand the story of Jesus. Mm. Yes. This, this is going to pop out at you, and hopefully we understand God, um, hopefully we understand our suffering a little better, and hopefully we also understand Jesus. Yes. Yes, this is a... Uh, all these psalms are very thick, meaning there's lots in them when we start to pull them apart. It's like an onion. Yes, it is. Lots of layers. Just like an onion. Maybe cake. Cake would be better. Cakes have layers. Yeah, you can have a layer. I'd rather have a layer cake than a layered onion. Uh, and I'd rather never have an onion cake. <laughs> uh, the, Absolutely the not. Part of, part of what uh, we see in this psalm is, is this idea of aloneness. And so, Mike, I wanted to ask you, is there a time when you have found yourself completely alone, and I don't mean in a theological, uh, existential sense, I'm talking about physically, where you were totally I, alone. I, I, I remember a period of time I went up to the lake, and, and where my parents lived, well, they, they still live there, but um, before they actually lived up there, we had a three-season cabin that could kind of do it in winter. And I decided I would take my spring break up at the lake. And spring break was a little early. I went up to the lake, and there is nobody else living on the lake. And this is the the, the three season cabin, so you're you're burning wood to stay warm. Um, it was, in some sense, absolutely wonderful and enjoyable to have that time alone. But by the end of the time I was up there. I really wanted to talk to somebody. Isolation is just something that <laughs> there's a difference between between taking some alone time and being isolated. And by the time yeah. I was done, I felt quite isolated. Yeah, and there's yeah, there you know I think of I remember I went on a Boundary Waters trip with uh, my youth group growing up, mm -hmm. and uh, one of the things we did was we were on this lake. I don't remember which lake, but we. Uh, our, the leaders, the guides who were with us, they, they took each of us kids and they paddled us out to a spot mm -hmm. where they could see us. Right. And they left us there alone. Yep. For a long to hours. Yep. Uh, and I just remember thinking at that moment, I don't know that I've ever been alone like this before. And there's there's an element of excitement, maybe a little fear. Yeah. Um, and now being older, I think, you know, for the first period of time when I'm by myself, it's like, oh, quiet is nice. But yes, eventually you do crave people. And I think there are moments in our lives where being alone is the last thing that we want. Right. 
And in this psalm, we're going to hear the time when whoever wrote this, we'll say David, Mm -hmm. felt very isolated. Mm -hmm. A moment of desperation. Yes. When it seems like the world and everything is against you. And so we're going to read this, uh, Psalm 22. This comes from... Uh, the New International Version that I'm reading from here, Uh, but you can, of course, follow along with any translation that you would like. We begin. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, and you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. And you, our ancestors, put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people, All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You'd made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near. There is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. Strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All of my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. 
all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. A lot going on here. So where are there phrases, are there words that, that... stick out to you when you when you heard this or questions that come to your mind the first word that i mean, the first verse just jumps out at myself it just absolutely does it's my god my god why have you forsaken me for those of us who understand the story of Jesus, know the story of Jesus, I mean, it's right here. This is These are Jesus' words from the cross. In fact, they are so important that um, in some of the translations, right, we, we keep these in the Aramaic. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Hmm. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, jumps out like mm-hmm. no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, um I think we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Yes, absolutely. I, you know, I, some of the words that, that stick out to me is, is just this, it's almost like a geographical thing. Where is God? It's, it seems that God is far and the, the plea is do not be far from me. Yep. And that's in verse 11. It's also again in verse 19 and, and what's near me, God, it seems like you're far from me. And the writer's saying, but trouble is near me. Yes, and there's no one else around either. Just no. trouble and uh, animals and uh, enemies and it's the. This is very much a person who's crying out is is isolated and they're isolated from anything good, including God, and it is exceptionally painful. This particular psalm, as I was doing a little bit of research, um, the as you were probably hearing this. We experience absolute despair in this psalm, like no other psalm. It, it, it heightens it. Um, it. It probably does that just in that very first verse. I, I think we never, this is the only place in Scripture where we see the words, the name of God put twice together. That's how difficult this situation mm. is. My God, my God. Mm. It is It is really a... a primal cry for help. God is absent, is what this person is feeling and experiencing. And, you know, I'm thinking that as we go through the psalm, there's all these, you know, the the bulls surround, the roaring lions tear yep. against their prey. They open their mouths wide. The dogs surround, and dogs in, in this yep. time were, wasn't your golden retriever. Yeah, th- this isn't the pack of golden retrievers that are coming up to lick you and cuddle you. No, this... Th- These are the wild dogs that scavenged for food and, and would do anything to eat that are yep. surrounding you. Yep. Uh, they're, they're worse than wolves. Of all of those things, mm-hmm. the worst thing probably, not probably, definitely is this feeling that God is far away. Yep. Far worse than any of that suffering is this idea that God seems 
to have turned from it. Right, right. How deeply painful that is. And I think a lot of folks around who are listening have experienced that to some degree, that, that we experience the, the separation from God through sin and other pain in the world, and God evil and human suffering. Yes. And yet, this is not a denial of God. It's no. A, it is a prayer directed to God. Yes. One of the things that one of my professors uh, taught us to do in, in our own personal study of this is, you know, give this psalm a title of your own. Mm, interesting. And and he gave um, a title for that in his own commentary. For, but if I were to give this psalm a title, I would call it Unquieted Hope. Hmm. It certainly addresses the pain and the evil and the suffering that um, the psalmist and we often experience in our life, but it is not hopeless, not by a long shot, but it starts with pain. It, it begins there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I think one of the things that's really helpful when we, when we look at a psalm is it's poetry, and poetry often comes at us in blocks, or there's themes right. that, that develop throughout or, or pop up in different places. Could you talk a little bit just about the structure of this psalm and, and wh- what do we find here? So there are four elements here in the psalm, and they're not completely blocked off and completely perfect, um, but I'm going to give you four different pieces that happen here. One is complaint. I think many of us have been brought up, don't complain, right? <laughs> what, what do parents sometimes jokingly, maybe not so jokingly, say to their parents, you know, quit your complaining or I'll give you something to complain about, right? It's like there's two options for dinner, take it or leave it. Yeah, that, I say, but there's complaint in this psalm. This is the Holy Scriptures giving you the permission to complain. If there's something wrong in your life, complain. It's okay. Um, again, I, I'm thinking about my seminary professor, Jim Lindbergh. He, he's, he made sure that we, you know, remember that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus? Uh, that there, here's the verse. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should not be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Take those complaints to the Lord in prayer. Yeah, Absolutely do it. The second thing in here is the affirmation of trust. So you read about some of these pieces of scripture. We have uh, almost like this interlude here where um, after the complaint, the, the, the person who's complaining is, is remembering what God has done in the past for his people. You've delivered them before. You've been with us before. There's some difficult things. Be with us again. It, it, be with me again. Um, um, another uh, p- place there is it gets very personal for him. Verse 9, you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you from my mother's womb. You have been my God. That's a deep affirmation of trust. All my days I've been trusting you. Um, I, I think that's important for us to know as well. When we're going through a difficult time, remember when things have been good. Uh, remember God's provision and providence in those times where indeed he has delivered you or the saints or the people around you. I think there's a there's certainly another part here. It's a call for help. 
um, deliver me from the sword. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. That's the main complaint. God is far away. The, the, the prayer here is that God be not far away. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. We call for help. Um, and then the last one is a vow to praise. And as you were reading, this this takes up about, oh, about 10 verses, 9, 10 verses here. And this is... The psalmist saying, I am going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. You deliver me, I'm going to praise you. Now, there's another thing that could be happening here. Not just I'm going to praise you when you deliver me or if you deliver me, but I'm going to praise you through the midst of this. I think that's one of the things I really want to touch on here. Um, uh, We were talking a little bit about this beforehand. If you go to verse 21... Is it, can, is it okay if I just read that verse? Yeah, for read, folks read that. Read that. So, verse twenty-one is is rescue me from the mouths of the lions, save me from the horns of the wild oxen. Right. This is that prayer where the person is just right in the midst of it. They want safety and salvation. There's another way to translate the second half of that verse. Um. This is how it could possibly be translated: from the horns of the wild oxen, you have saved him. You have rescued me. Um, so it's one of those things where we have one, one translation that helps us understand that the suffering is ongoing, and another way where the suffering has ended, and now we move to praise. Sometimes in the midst of this, um, when we have been rescued, of course, we're going to give God thanks and praise. We're going to tell of his goodness all throughout the nations, right? God has delivered me. He has saved me. Um, but there's the other piece here, and that's why I like. I actually like the NIV translation a little better um, from a theological perspective, is sometimes the suffering has not yet ended, and yet we're still going to praise him through the midst of the the, the suffering that we have. Sometimes God saves us from the suffering. But as people who hold on to what Jesus has done, we know that he saves us always through suffering. I'm going to go um, kind of deep here with um, some experiences that I've had personally and, and have had the privilege of walking with pastorally. Um, both were nearly identical situations. Um, I'm going to go historically just because it's a little easier for me to think about that and tell mm-hmm. the story. Um, my wife and I experienced the, the loss of, of a child, um, a stillborn child. Um, in the midst of that, man, it was painful. It was mm-hmm. a gut punch. Um, I, I kid you not. I mean, I was praying right along with the psalmist. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away? Um, while my wife and I were extremely close through this, um, it did feel like God had slipped away. Mm. In the midst of all of that, you know, we're praying and giving up our complaint, and um, man, did I wish the doctors were wrong, that the ultrasounds were wrong and all that sort of stuff. Um, They weren't. But what I found was this, that God 
never, as much as I felt like it, God never did abandon us. God was never far away. Hmm. He was always there. Um, we have a God who is familiar with our pain and our suffering. Um, he's familiar with that through Jesus. He has joined us in death so that he might destroy death. That's how God saves us through our suffering. Hmm. No matter how bad it is, he is always with us. From time to time, we experience God saving us from pain and evil and suffering. I was with another family a couple years later, and um, they, they, it was almost identical to what my wife and I experienced. They got the ultrasound, bad news. Um, they didn't think the child was alive. The, the, the woman was going to deliver um, a stillborn infant. And um, I, I went and I prayed with the family, and I went off to do some more work, some errands, whatnot. And I, I told them I'd be back, give me a call when... When you need me, and I'm sitting there in the midst of an errand, and I get a phone call. And they say, Pastor, my good news is a heartbeat. Mm. She's alive. Wow. Um, and that child <laughs> is walking amongst us today, you know, mm. many years later. Um, God saved them through that suffering, but He also saved them and that family from. The suffering. Whatever our suffering is, bring your complaint. Bring your affirmation of trust. Call for help. And whatever happens, vow to praise, because we again have a God that will make all things right. Um, that's where we see Jesus throughout the course of this psalm. So do you think it's... Um you know, thank you for sharing those stories. I think both powerful testimonies to the provision of God in, in two situations that are very similar but with very different outcomes. Right. Yet God provided in the midst of both. Right. Do you think do you think it's time and distance from those moments in our lives that are so difficult that give us perspective? Yep. Absolutely. Um What was really helpful for my wife and I in the midst of our grief was a bunch of little old gray-haired ladies <laughs> that had seen everything. Yeah. Um, and some had experienced um, stillborn children themselves who just surrounded us with their love and their witness mm -hmm. that life here can still be good, mm -hmm. and that life everlasting with Jesus is something that we need to be looking forward to. Yeah, time and distance makes yeah. a whole lot of difference. Yeah, yeah. That that that's what moves us from the place of why have you forsaken me to seeing, oh, you were there, and you did provide. Yeah, the the ladies who surrounded right. or the the person who made a phone call and checked in or. You know, whatever that is, sometimes God's grace looks like a hot dish, you know. Yep. A few things within this psalm. One, the, the first question is never answered. Why have you forsaken me? It's never answered in this psalm. Hmm. Um, 
the second thing is this psalm tries to move us from isolation with God into community and relationship with God and community with his people. Right. And, and that's what we need in our times of suffering. We need other people around us. Um, to try to do things alone or in isolation is so difficult, and we need to um, run into the community. So there's there's a shift, right? There's lots of little shifts in this psalm, and yep. I I was thinking about actually if you were to put if you were to put this to music. So mm-hmm. the beginning there's a little title uh, that says to the tune of the doe of the morning. Yeah, which you would imagine that that song is probably. At first glance, you might think, oh, that must be a nice little song. Mm-hmm. But it's probably not a very nice little song. I, I don't know. Maybe it ends with a loud bang. I don't know. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. It, it probably is is a reference to a deer being hunted or Maybe. running around. I yep. mean, there there are sources that say that that's potentially what, what that means. Um, but so this is made to be put to, to a tune, right? Yep. And uh, you, you almost see like... If you were to put this to a tune, it would shift between some deep minor key to these little yep. interviews of uplifting yep. major music. But there's this shift that happens around verse 22. Yep. And it says, I will declare your name to my yep. people. And that's the shift from individual yep. to communal. And Jim Lemberg in his commentary says it actually happens right there in 21B, that one where we, we have that little mm. bit of how do we translate this verse? And he's very adamant that the verse should be translated from the horns of the wild oxen, you have rescued me. So from that minor key to a major key, right? From from something that is unresolved to something that is resolved. And he, he thinks it's right there. But yeah, there is a major change within, within this. If you think about your own life and what does that soundtrack look like, sometimes it, it sounds like songs with the very minor keys. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it sounds like the the epic major key soundtracks of, of the great movies. Um, this is one of those places where there is a, a, a definitely a key change. Yeah, absolutely. So this song, this psalm was, was made to, or was written uh, f- to be used for us as a prayer, to be used in worship. Uh, we can do that with those four elements that you brought up. Yep. You know, We can bring our complaints. We can affirm our trust in God. We can cry out to God for help. And then we can vow to praise God through, uh, through our, our suffering. Yep. Uh, and this is something that Jesus did. Yep. In the passion story of Jesus, there's somewhere around... What was it? I think it's 13 different references of Scripture and as maybe as many as 17. Kind of depends on how you count. Five of those references to Scripture come to us in Psalm 22. Hmm. This is very clearly shows us Jesus. Um, If Jesus can pray like this, we can pray like this. We should be praying like this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you see, you know, in verse 14, you almost begin to see the, the, the passion narrative right there. I'm poured yeah. out like water. My right. bones are out water. of joint. Yeah, water, you know, water flowed from Jesus' heart, right? Water and blood when he was pierced. Um, my bones are all out of joint. The, the, 
you know, when they crucify you, they twist you all up so you can't breathe, basically, is part of the, 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 the problem. My heart has turned to wax. Um, you know, some people think that Jesus actually, uh, you know, his, what actually killed him was his, basically his heart gave out at the, uh, when he cried out. Um, my, you know, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd. I believe Jesus said, I thirst. Yeah. Right. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust. Um, I, I think we get to another point where, uh, um, you know, when talks like my, there it is, dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me. Well, that's a nice word for all, all, all the people around them at that point. Um, they pierce my hands and my feet. Yeah. All my bones are on display. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But, but you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me, deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of dogs, rescue me from the mouth of the lions, from the horns of the wild oxen. You have rescued me. That's why I like Unquieted Hope as a title for this psalm. <clears throat> Even through the worst of what this world can throw at us, Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And we may never figure out all of the whys of life. Nope. We may not get all those answers, but we can trust. We can trust that God is never far, and his deliverance is never far, and his grace that comes to us in the cross of Jesus Christ is never far. What do we do when we feel alone? I think we do those four things. We complain, we acknowledge it. Um, we pray to God. We give that affirmation of trust. We call for help. And we vow to praise. Um, we lean into God. And one other thing, remember that God is at work through his people here. So lean into God and then lean into God's people. When you're feeling alone, seek out community. I want to leave you with uh, these, these words from verse 11. This maybe sometimes is the simplest prayer we can pray. Do not be far from me. In your loneliness, pray that prayer. Don't be far from me and trust that God isn't. He isn't. Thanks, Pastor Mike, for, for being with me uh, on this podcast today, folks. Thanks for listening. I invite you to to like, subscribe, to share this with other folks. Know that we'll be back here next week with another psalm to dig deep into that. And, and in the meantime, stay deeply rooted. Mm-hmm.